listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you right across Australia, live from Hobart, Tasmania, each weekday at 9am. For those listening in Tasmania, you can also catch us at 4.30pm every weekday as well. And I'm your host, Jason Cook, and every Monday, every Tuesday, should I say, not Monday, it's Tuesday today, uh, we have Gary Webster as our presenter and his series, Lifetime Search. Welcome, Gary. Hey, Jason. Good to be with you again. Yeah, it's good to have you. Now, Gary, um, you're doing a bit of on-site work today up in Bishano. Yeah, you might hear <laughs> something uh, in the background, actually. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm up here having a, a a nice holiday. I didn't get any at Christmas time, so I thought let me take a couple of weeks with my wife. And yes, it's a great space to be. I tell you, it's a beautiful spot on the east coast of uh, Tasmania yes. and away from yeah. the uh, busyness of uh, the cities. Just to look out and see the waves is awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, it's nice to have a bit of our Tassie uh, background in the background, hey? <laughs> Where it is Tassie encounters after all. So, um, our, our show number today is 0488 891. That's our Tassie encounters mobile number that you can text in any questions or take advantage of our offer that you can uh, hear later in the program. Now, Gary, you've been working for a little while now in different uh, areas, but uh, I guess you've come across a few different people in your life that have helped you along your way, and uh, you, you want to share a little bit about that now? Yeah, sure. I guess I guess the people have had the most impression on my life, of course, was my mum and dad, um, a great help in my life, and of course my wife Marilyn, she's been a great, you know, I, I travel an awful lot, and uh, running programs and taking tours and uh, I've got one very patient wife mm. <laughs> uh, and she's very supportive so I can be thankful for that. I, I guess in in terms of a, a, a professional area probably um, Dr Siegfried Horn whom I travelled with in the Middle East my first tour to and lived in Jerusalem for a month and then went all over Jerusalem with an archaeologist of his calibre was just uh, uh, an awesome inspiration in my early days. So there's some people who've made a, a tremendous uh, help in my own my own journey, Jason. Yeah, good. And uh, today our title is Star Wars. Why so much suffering? I'm I'm interested as to what made you choose that title, Gary. Yeah, well, listen up, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to tell no, us look, about uh, that. This is this is a this is a very important topic that our listeners will be will be fascinated by and if ever there's any presentations I've made that things go wrong it's this one so get ready for some interesting interesting time today Jason I hope nothing goes wrong yeah. but I've had uh, when I've made these presentations live you know in in public halls I've had lights go out projectors go kaput all sorts of stuff and and, and our listeners will understand by the time we've finished uh, this two-part series mm. this two-part program this week and, and next week but uh, to get into it, I, I wonder whether our listeners and maybe yourself, Jason, have thought about that the storyline of most uh, books and films goes something like this. Uh, life was once good, wow, just bare to roses. Then some tragedy struck and something terrible happened. And then along comes a hero to put down the baddie or to do away with the evildoers or to f fix up the problem. Harmony's restored. 
and everybody lives happily ever after. Have you noticed that that theme goes through countless books and films? Certainly does. Yeah, absolutely. It does. So, where, so where, where did this idea come from that everybody seems to use? Well, the answer is they've all borrowed from the original story. Mm. But uh, more on that a bit later. Let's begin by taking our listeners to Tyre in Lebanon, going back in the ancient past. Tyre was a, uh, a Phoenician city-state. Uh, as I said, it was in, in Lebanon today. It's called Lebanon. But back there, it was a Phoenician city-state on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. It stretched at one time about 30 kilometres along the shore of the Mediterranean. And uh, the biblical writers made some specific predictions about this place, especially the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, You see, right in this place, ships of all the nations would anchor here, uh, and the merchants would buy and sell their produce. It was a great uh, trading seaport city-state. And Ezekiel, writing in 586 BC, had this interesting series of predictions I want you to notice that I'm going to be reading from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 26. Let me read some of what he wrote about Tyre. Behold, I'm against you, O Tyre, and will cause many nations to come up against you, as the sea causes its waves to come up. For thus says the Lord, Jehovah, Behold, I'll bring upon Tyre Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings from the north, and they shall destroy the walls of Tyre, Break down her towers, and I'll scrape her dust from her and make her a bare rock. They will plunder your wealth and loot your merchandise, and they will break down your walls and demolish your fine houses, and throw your stones, your timber, and your rubble into the sea. It will be a place for spreading nets in the midst of the sea. For thus says the Lord God, when I make you a desolate city, like cities that are not inhabited, Then I will bring the deep upon you, and great waters will cover you. I will make you a terror, and you shall be no more. Though you are sought for, though you are looked for, you will never be found again, says the Lord God. That's Ezekiel chapter 26, a few verses in there, Jason. So you'll notice in this prediction. Now, by the way, the prediction was made because Tyre, was a competitor for Jerusalem, and Jerusalem had just been smashed by the Babylonians, and the people of Tyre said, oh, good on you, this is great for us, or everyone will come and do trade with us now, we won't have any opposition, and God was not pleased with such an attitude, so he makes some predictions through Ezekiel the prophet. But you notice there are five very specific predictions made here. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar would attack, mm-hmm. other nations would attack, number two, Tyre would be left like a flat rock. Tyre would be thrown into the sea and it become a place for the fishermen to spread their nets. And then it said waters would cover Tyre. Now, let's uh, have a look at the fulfilment of these incredible predictions. It's quite amazing when we uh, see what the archaeologists and history has shown us about this place. It's quite incredible and uh, we'll take our listeners to see some of those things right now. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar laid a 13-year siege to the city of Tyre. He, he struggled to take the city. He finally took it, but the people escaped to the offshore island about a 
kilometre away from the, the mainland city. And they were sea traders, and he didn't come with boats from Iraq, obviously. And uh, so they were able to go over there to their island, and uh, even though he defeated the mainland city of Tyre. Well, 200 years went by, and Alexander the Great was on his way to Egypt to battle with the, the Persians in Egypt. And he stops by Tyre, who was sided with the Medes and the Persians, and uh, they won't give in to him. So he, he grabs all the rubble from the ruins of the mainland city, and he dumps it into the ocean to build a causeway out to that little island where the people were living. Uh-huh. Uh, after the initial battles and so on. So he dumps it in, makes a causeway. And when you visit old Tyre today, you can see the columns in the sea. You can see a peninsula is now built up because the causeway has become a peninsula. And when you visit the the area where Tyre once was, that what's, that's what you see. And when you look around Tyre, all you see when you go to the ocean is lots of fishing boats and fishing nets everywhere. Mm. Just as the Bible predicted, this great sea fair trading city-state would become a place for the fishermen to spread their nets. What's interesting is that back in 1170 AD, there was a guy called Benjamin of Tudela. He's travelling through this part of the world. And this is what he says in his travels back in 1170. A man can ascend the walls of New Tyre and see ancient Tyre, which the sea has now covered, Mm. lying on at a stone's throw from the new city. And should one care to go forth by boat out to the ocean, into the ocean, one can see the castles, marketplaces, streets and palaces in the bed of the sea. So back in 1170 AD, what's that, about a thousand years ago almost, this place could be seen on the bottom of the ocean there, says uh, Benjamin of Tudela in his travels uh, Mm -hmm. through that part of the world. So, you know, what I'm sharing here, Jason, before we get into this... um, the Star Wars thing is that the Bible is historically accurate. It's a proven track record, prophetic track record, and it's trustworthy information. And I guess some of our listeners are now asking, well, what's all that got to do with suffering? Yeah. Well, just listen up. When we take a break after the song, we'll come back and I'll move to the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea and we'll pick up the story. I'm I'm intrigued as to when that passage, because it's so accurate, isn't it? When that passage in Ezekiel was actually written, Gary? Yes, five eighty six BC. Five eighty six. Wow, that's yeah. Amazing. And 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 you know when you think about it, the stones were thrown into the uh, uh, Alexander grabbed all grabbed up all the rubble and dumped it in the sea, just as the Bible said this thing would be thrown in the sea. Mm. <laughs> well, we're going to go to this uh, song by Michael W. Smith. It's Ancient Words, and we've just been reading some of those ancient words and how reliable and accurate they were. Let's have a listen to this Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith. Oh 
was Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words. It's a beautiful old uh, song. Well, it's actually a new song, but it's sort of an old style, a modern hymn. So, Gary, we've been talking about this ancient city of Tyre and what would happen to it as predicted in the scriptures. And now we're going to get on to what's this got to do with suffering? Yeah, Jason, we're going to come back to Tyre because it has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll come back there. I want to go back now to the ancient city of, ancient island of Patmos. You can visit, of course, Patmos today in the Aegean Sea, a fantastic place. But it was here on this island that John was given the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse. And in the center of this book, he sees a great cosmic war uh, between good and evil. Now, we're going to go back uh before the beginning, before the beginning of life, before the beginning of history on this world, before the beginning of suffering in his prediction. And notice what he says as he as he shares this incredible cosmic battle. He says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's Revelation 12, 9. Mm. Clearly he says that this dragon represents Satan or the devil. Now, Jason, I can almost hear some of our listeners saying, come on, surely an intelligent guy like you, I'm glad they credit me with that, uh, surely you don't really believe in the devil. Mm. I mean, isn't that just um, our neurotic imagination or isn't it just our evil selfiness that's the devil? Well, let me share with, uh, with you, Jason, and our listeners the evidence that this being Satan does exist. Archaeology uh, has uh, support for this. For example, if you go to the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, and I've talked about this before, you will see the Ishtar gates that were taken by the Germans from ancient Babylon and reassembled there in their museum. On those Ishtar gates, you will see dragons, Mm-hmm. And for the Babylonians, these were symbols of evil, interestingly. If you go to the great city of the Medes and the Persians called Persepolis, and I love taking people to this uh, famous city, Alexander the Great destroyed it, but there's some interesting reliefs everywhere in this um, ancient city. And you'll see one of them is in the palace of Darius the first, he's mentioned uh, a number of times in the Bible. Darius the first, he actually invaded Greece, um, and uh, that's under him that you have the famous battle with the Leonidas and his brave soldiers, you know, and all that sort of thing, and those wars with the Greeks. But Darius is seen fighting Ahiraman the dragon, and Ahiraman for the Medes and the Persians was again a symbol of evil. Now. On top of that, uh, some of that archaeological evidence that, hey, this was a belief in the ancient world, Jesus believed in the devil. You've probably read or many of our listeners have heard how he cast out demons. He mm. believed in the devil. Uh, there's no question. And uh, he, he certainly had no question that this guy existed. And then, of course, 
I wish we could take our listeners to the Pacific Islands. I mean, I've lived there in Fiji and I know very well what happens in many of the island countries when it comes to encounters with an evil side. Uh, It's very, very real. Uh, Some amazing things happen uh, in that space. So there's no question in my mind from many many reasons that this devil or Satan exists. In fact, you know, Jason... He wants us to believe that he doesn't exist. Mm. Ever heard of the story of the Chinese um, bandits, Jason? Uh, I haven't. You're going to have to share that with me, Gary. Well, how about this? This is your fairy tale for the day. <laughs> no, it's just a legend, but it, it has a, a very interesting truth. The story goes that there was this village in China that some bandits would, uh, you know, ascend descend on them every harvest time, take their crops and and away with it. And, of course, the villagers got tired of this, so they decided to set up a vigilante group. So when it came harvest time again, they were waiting for the bandits, and, of course, the bandits didn't get what they wanted, and they drove them off. Uh, This happened for a few seasons, and the bandits were getting tired of this. So one day there's this old man, so the story goes, in the forest, and... uh, a bandit approaches him and says, old man, um, uh, I want you, I want to give you a bunch of money. He says, uh, if you will tell the villagers that the bandit is dead, uh, I'll give you some, you know, some gold and silver. Well, the old man wants the gold and silver. So he goes back to the villagers and says, listen, the bandit's dead. He's been killed. And so they put away their weapons and they didn't bother when the harvest time. Guess who arrived? The bandits. Mm. And it's a bit like that, Jason with uh, with the devil he wants us to believe that he doesn't exist and uh, to to you know we have these crazy pictures of the devil with you know two horns and a pitchfork and all this sort of nonsense uh, we 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 take him as a joke that uh, you know it's just a it's just a myth or a legend but he is very real according to the bible mm. okay so let's come back to the story who is this dragon devil and then of course well where did he come from well Let's go back to John in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 7. He says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Did you notice where war broke out, Jason? In heaven. In heaven. It seems unusual, doesn't it, that war can break out in heaven. Exactly. That's the last place. If you were writing the story or I were writing the story, we sure wouldn't say it broke out in heaven. And that's what I like, and that's what actually helps us to see the Bible is actually telling the facts. I mean, it doesn't, you know, whitewash that part of it. God just tells it like it was. Mm. War broke out in heaven. Now, you know, we've all heard of George Lucas with his famous, you know, Star Wars uh, movies, The Empire Strikes Back, The Return of the Jedi, and so on. Uh, these are fictitious, of course, but I want to take us, our listeners back to the original Star Wars now. Mm. There are two portraits of this being that are found in the Bible. The first one comes from the book of Ezekiel, back to Lebanon now, back to Tyre. Yeah. You see, the devil doesn't come around with a pitchfork and two horns and a pointy tail. He uses fronts. He uses powers or individuals who do his work for him. You remember that uh, one day, you know, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die and uh, he was telling his disciples and 
Peter said, no, that's not going to happen to you, Jesus. And, so, and Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, he didn't mean that Peter was Satan, but he's saying, Satan is working through your words to discourage me from doing what I actually came to do. So he always uses fronts. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, the front for the devil or Satan is the king of Tyre. So we, we can easily see that because of the language that's used. Let me read uh, from Ezekiel chapter 28 now, verse 12 to 14. This is Ezekiel's prophecies about Tyre go into chapter 28 as well. Notice what he says of the being behind the king of Tyre. You were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, that's the Garden of Eden, the Garden of God. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub, that's a type of an angel, who covers the guardian angel, if you would, I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God, you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. So notice what's happening here, Jason. Who's this dragon devil who would dare to war against God? Number one, he was once upon a time in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he was created by God and he was the anointed cherub or the guardian angel closest to God at one point in time, according to the book of Ezekiel, whom we've seen from going to Tyre, was very accurate in his details and predictions. So, it says in Ezekiel twenty-eight fifteen, we just read, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until sin was found in you. So the question now is, this being was created perfect. He wasn't made a devil in the beginning. He was created a perfect being. So what sin was found in him? Well, verse 17 of Ezekiel 28 tells us, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. In other words, what would we say was the the bottom line, where he sinned, Jason? In one word, what would you call it? What do you I'd reckon? I'd call it pride, I think. Exactly, mm. pride, self-centeredness. Mm. Now, that brings us to portrait number two, which is found uh, in the book of Isaiah. And this time, the front for Satan is ancient Babylon. Let me just read you a verse or two. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. That's Isaiah fourteen twelve. Now, Lucifer, by the way, is a Latin word which means the day star. Now, then it goes on and says what his original problem was. You have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This guy's got an eye problem, hasn't he? <laughs> he certainly does. He, <laughs> he, he wants to, uh, well, he wants to be equal or above God, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I. You know, Jason, the middle letter of pride is I. Mm. The middle letter of Lucifer is I. Mm. The middle letter of sin 
is I. Uh That's actually where it all stems from. I, when we want to put ourselves in God's place as individuals, and in this case, this being called Lucifer, he was wanting to take God's place to be in control where, in fact, God should be in control. Well, we'll pick up the Star Wars battle, Jason, after the next song. But before that, we have a great book offer today, a classic book called Planet Still in Rebellion. Our, our listeners will really want to get their hands on this book, Jason. Yeah, so write the number down, 0488-880-891, and a bit later in the program we'll give you the code for this book offer. Right now we're going to listen to this song, Where No One Stands Alone. Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're talking to Gary Webster. Gary, we've finally revealed what that part of the title, Star Wars, was all about. We've been talking about the great battle in heaven, or that broke out in heaven, the war that broke out in heaven, and uh, we've got a little bit more to share about all of that. Yes, yeah, sure, Jason. Um, 
what's fascinating is that uh, after this being, you know, I, 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 pride, the, the beginning of all this thing, uh, you'll notice next thing he does, he begins a campaign of deceit to discredit God. And isn't that the way it usually goes when we want to be top dog, whether it's in sport, in politics, we put the other guy down, we even even sort of tell lies or or, or criticise in order to lift ourselves up. Well, that's mm. what people do often, you know, they, they, they discredit others to lift themselves up. So this guy begins a campaign of, dis- of deceit. In fact, Jesus said so. He said he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Meaning once he fell, that's exactly where he became. So eventually, after, you know, a whispering campaign about God, war breaks out in heaven, as we read, and Lucifer became Satan. And he took with him one third of the angels. I want you to read for our listeners, Jason, Revelation chapter 12, if you would. And we're looking this time at verse three and four. If you could read that. Yeah, it says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. Now, you'll notice seven diadems. I mean, seven crowns. So he throws a third of the stars to the ground. Now, what are these stars? Well, Read for us verse 9 and we'll see very clearly what these stars are. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So you can see very clearly the stars represent angels. angels in fact, yeah. that's what it says in Revelation chapter 1. Mm. Stars represent the angels. So, in fact, what we said, star wars among the stars, angel wars, if you would, Mm. war broke out in heaven eventually. So by pride, in other words, an exalted angel, Lucifer, fell and became the devil. Mm. You see, God didn't make a devil. For example, does a woman give birth to a drunkard? No. What do you reckon, Jason? (laughs) No, not at all. No, of course not. She gives birth to a beautiful child who by his or her choices becomes a drunkard. Mm. And that's how it was with God. He made a perfect being who by his choices became the devil or Satan. Mm. Now, here's a question, Jason, that I think many of our listeners have, and that is this. Why didn't God just destroy Satan immediately? No, go zap, boom, sayonara, all finished. Why why, why would you have done that? I think it's a very good question that many people ask. And, uh, it is, and I, I'm going to let you explain the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a cop out. <laughs> well, let's 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 illustrate it, perhaps from from our own our own understanding of uh, of things. Let's say our Prime Minister Scott Morrison is accused of embezzling government funds by his cabinet ministers one day. Mm. Okay, so Mr. Morrison knows he didn't do that. He's, he's innocent, but in order to in order to get rid of this thing, he brings in, let's say, the, the, the riot police and they visit the homes of these people and they gun them down. Um, is this going to prove <laughs> that Mr Morrison's innocent? Not really. It's probably just going to cause even a, a, a more of a negative feeling against him. 
Exactly. Mm. People are going to have more questions and, and also, you know, don't, don't cross Morrison or you're going to get zapped sort mm. of thing, you know. Mm. And, and, and this is one of the reasons, or there's a couple of reasons that God didn't destroy Satan immediately. He had to show his true colors. Um, God does not want us, first of all, to relate to him out of fear, but out of love. And you'd imagine, uh, don't cross God or you're, de- you're, you're dead meat, you know. Mm. And many people, in fact, have that idea, don't they, today? Mm. Yeah, they do. That's the idea, they, that's the picture they have in their head of God, but it's not what the Bible pictures. Mm. So God wants us to relate to him out of love. That's the first thing. But there's a second reason. Oftentimes, evil must be given time to show its true fruits. Mm. Jesus once told a story of a farmer who went into a field and his servants planted a whole bunch of wheat. But a couple of days later, the servants came in one morning. They said, hey, hey, boss, um, some enemy has just tried to destroy our crop by planting weeds among the wheat. Shall we pull up the weeds, uh, you know, to save our wheat? And he said, no, 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 don't do that because if you pull up the weeds while the wheat is so young, You'll pull up the wheat. Let them both grow together. And then when it comes harvest time, you'll be able to save the wheat. Mm. So what Jesus was saying is sometimes, and in this situation, the true colors have to be seen. And that can only be seen through time. Mm. And then everybody can see clearly the issues. So that's uh, how it was with God, Jason. God had to allow this being time. To show his true, to show what really the results of this sort of a rebellion and pride would be, mm. and he doesn't want anybody to relate to him out of fear. All right, so when we continue on in the story now of the Star Wars battle, now it moves to planet Earth. We just read, or you just read, Jason, that the dragon was cast down to this Earth with his angels. Mm. The most recent creation of God was this world, pristine. And into that beautiful new world one day comes a talking snake. I'm sure all our listeners have heard of this story, but many people wonder, what's the story about this woman and a snake with an apple or some fruit? Mm. Well, it's much bigger than that, let me assure you. Notice what the Bible says. So the great dragon, that ancient serpent or snake of old called the devil, and Satan, Revelation 12, 9. Now, you see, the snake in the Garden of Eden with Eve was a medium or a front for the Satan. In fact, he was the first front that he used on planet Earth, this snake. He talked through the snake. Now, it may surprise some of our listeners that this idea of a snake and a tree is not just found in the Bible. The ancient Egyptians had a god called Apep. He was the god of chaos, of evil and destruction. And you see a picture of him sometimes. One that I have is of him in a tree. <laughs> Interestingly, isn't it? It is. The idea... And where, where have you seen that? I, I'm, I'm looking at your uh, document here, Gary, and you've got a picture of, of some... Uh, 
what would you call it, um, old paintings? Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're paintings from temples, usually from papyrus documents on the walls of temples. You often see these papyrus, the Book of the Dead, but everywhere you'll see the snake in ancient Egypt. Well, of course, there mm. were different snake gods. This one is Apep, okay? Mm. And you'll see him in a tree there, the pussycat in front of the tree, you'll mm. notice. Um, so this, this, this idea is coming from somewhere. Well, the Bible has the original story. Now, before we before we move on in this fascinating story, Jason, I want us to think about true love. True love will not only give you the opportunity to say yes to it, it will also give you the opportunity to say no to it. Mm. Because if a being can't say no, then has it really got freedom of choice? It doesn't. It doesn't. And no. then, and then, I, I don't think anybody uh, would disagree with, you know, two people coming together in in a, a marriage ceremony and and one person not having the choice to say yes or no. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Exactly. And if if love is to exist, it must give people the freedom to choose. Mm. God doesn't want us to be a bunch of robots or puppets on a string that He just manipulates. No, He wants us to relate to Him. So notice what happens next. Uh, Read for us Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, Jason. Yeah, it says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So, So what God's doing here, Jason, is he's giving human beings, our first parents, Adam and Eve, the ability to exercise their freedom of choice. Mm. You can have every tree in this whole garden's yours to eat from but just one tree I don't want you to eat from this is where you make your choice in other words this tree of knowledge of good and evil became like a polling station mm. if we could put it that way uh, God was saying if you want to vote for me then don't eat the tree from the tree and you'll live that's how you vote for me but if you want to vote for this other side then you'll eat from the tree, but you need to know there's a consequence to your choice, and that is death. And the reason for that, Jason, of course, is because life is found only in God. He's the source of life. So if we disconnect from the life support, Mm. then, of course, death is the result. It's not not that God's being capricious or, you know, you didn't follow what I said, so I'm going to wham you on or something. No, we are like unplugging. So he's saying to Adam and Eve, vote for me. By staying away from this tree. That's how you exercise your choice. But you have the opportunity to say, no, well, if you do that, that's okay, but you need to know there's a consequence. So one day, Eve stepped up to the polling booth, Jason, and we'll pick that up after our next song, eh? Okay. And before we go to the break, our offer today, Planet Still in Rebellion, is the book, and uh, it talks about you know, today's events and also uh, really what the promise of the Bible gives us in terms of, you know, what Jesus has done for us. So that book, Planet Still in Rebellion, we're going to give you the code immediately after the break. This is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Give it some- 
Dylan and Matt Hammett. That was uh, How Deep the Father's Love. Beautiful song. Now, Gary, today's offer, this book, Planet Still in Rebellion, 0488880891, and the code word is DIG8, D-I-G-8. Now, text that just on its own to that number, 0488880891, and we'll get this book out to you, The Planet Still in Rebellion. Gary, we've just got one more section and uh, a little bit more to cover. Now we're, we're getting into the suffering part, I believe. Yeah, right. we're going to come to that now, Jason. So you remember just before our song, we said, well, one day Eve steps up to the polling booth. That's yes, the tree it. of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Where she can exercise her freedom of choice. Yeah. I wonder if you could read for us Genesis 3. Verses 1 and 5, please, Jason. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hey, what an incredible picture this one is. We've heard that phrase before, but haven't it? You will be like, like God. God. Remember yeah. we read earlier 
from the uh, prophet Isaiah talking about Lucifer. He said, I will make myself like the Most High. Now he's saying to Eve, Eve, you be in the place of God. Mm. Really quite a cunning a cunning uh, thing that he's coming up with here. Now, I, I want you to notice here, Jason, and our listeners, that right here, the devil makes a double-pronged attack on the character of God that you've just read. Mm. First of all, he's saying, listen, Eve, God doesn't really love you because, you know, if he did, would he hold this thing back from you? Mm. Surely, he's saying, surely God wouldn't say you can't eat every tree. In other words, he's trying to hide something back from you, Eve. He really doesn't care about you. He cares more about himself. Mm. That's the first uh, attack that he's making on God's character. And the second one is, God isn't a just God. His laws don't matter. Listen, he, he said, if you eat this fruit, you'll die. But I'm telling you, Eve, you will not die. In other words, you can disobey God's commands or his laws, and it doesn't matter. He's not going to, he's not going to do what he says. Hmm. Now, Jason, that double-pronged attack on the character of God has been repeated right on down through time. People either think God doesn't love me you know I've done stuff that's too bad he could never uh, forgive me or listen you can just do what you want he's not going to he's not a God who who's going to act on what he says he says you know this don't do this and so he's you know God's not a just God don't worry about what you do those, those are actually two things that have continued right on down through time. Jason, I wonder if you could read for us Genesis 3 verse 6 right now, because this is a very, very important section here. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Wow, this is this is a real temptation. You just imagine if you or I were at that tree and suddenly there's a snake talking to us mm. and he's munching on this piece of fruit. I mean, we would also think, wow, this this thing makes you pretty smart. I mean, heard of a talking snake lately? <laughs> you got the picture? Yeah. <laughs> a massive temptation. If you do this, your eyes, you'll 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 be like God, Eve. Mm. And right then, that's when human relationships began to fall apart because the Bible says immediately after this, they knew that things were not right. They hid from God was the first thing they did. They ran into the bushes and hid from God. When he came down in the cool of the day, it says, their marriage relationship was strained because when God speaks to them about what's just happened... Adam blames Eve, and then Eve blames the snake. Nature's involved, nature's affected, and death comes in very quickly, according to the Genesis account. And so, Jason, this is interesting. As soon as Adam and Eve disobey God, knowing they shouldn't have, disharmony comes in, disease moves in, depression, destruction, divorce, and death and these are not the acts of God. These are the acts of Satan. Mm. Maybe our listeners could take time to read the first two chapters of the book of Job, who's suffering terribly. But it's not because of God. It's because of Satan. I would commend those two chapters to be read. And that's why Jesus said, this being 
Satan is the author of deception and destruction. These are the two activities he actually lives for. But you, you think about this, Jason. In our insurance policies, what are some of the acts of God? What are some of the things that are called <laughs> acts of God? Yeah, I, I find that fascinating, the, uh, the, the acts of God, like lightning strikes or perhaps yep. earthquakes and, uh, and maybe floods yep. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. They call you them know, acts of God. All, yeah. yeah, all these things originated from this being and all this happened because they rebelled and, of course, the consequences now flowed and the devil says, this is God's doing. Mm. Now, the question is, how can a loving God reach a world that believes Satan's lies? That's really the question. Yeah. And uh, we're going to pick that up more in our next um program, Jason, uh, when the second part. But before, I'm just going to give a bit of a teaser at this point as to where we're going to be heading for our listeners, all right? So Adam and Eve have just done wrong, as we've read. They've just messed up big time. And then the Bible says they hide in the bushes. So what's a loving God going to do? Well, the Bible says in Genesis, in the cool of the day, so in the, in, the, in the best part of the day to come, God shows up and he calls out, Adam, Eve, where are you? He doesn't come thundering down and says, why did you guys mess up my pristine planet? He comes down in the cool of the day and he makes a question, calls, Adam, Eve, where are you? Evidently, God used to meet with these, our first parents to come and talk with them because he's a God of relationships but they were hiding from God and as human beings really we've been hiding ever since haven't we really when you think about it mm, yeah absolutely we've we've run from God even the idea that there is no God is an attempt by man to get away from God yeah um, we've been running from him you know for years down through the ages But God is a God of love. He calls to us, Adam, Eve, all through time, where are you? I love you. I care about you. So what we're going to do, when we come back uh, next week, Jason, in our presentation, we're going to pick up the story at that point because God makes an incredibly awesome prediction, a prediction that we'll pick up in the book of Revelation and that we'll pick up elsewhere in the New Testament that brings to each human being an incredible horizon of hope. This is one of the most hopeful predictions and stories you'll find in the entire Bible. This one that we're picking up from the book of Revelation. So, Jason, I'm looking forward to wrapping up this uh, interesting Star Wars program for our listeners next weekend. Part two, Why So Much Suffering, part two. So we'll join uh, Gary next Tuesday and... uh, Tomorrow, we've got Raiko Chelich with Jesus' Identity, the God-Man. This is studying the uh, final week of Jesus' ministry. Now, don't forget our offer today is 0488-880-891. Text in the code word DIG8 to, um, to receive the book, Planet Still in Rebellion. We're going to go out with this uh, song that's titled Always Good. You know, sometimes we... We well, I guess we question whether God is good when we when we deal with suffering and and problems in this world. So, um, I like this song because it talks about that topic. So, always good by Andrew Peterson. Mm-hmm.
Thanks, Gary. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Jason. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling, could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, O oh Lord, and save me. There's nowhere else to go. Trust your intentions for us, we're still